Well, good morning again, Grace Covenant Church. Like I got all dolled up for you, okay? We are meeting again. I have missed meeting. Oh, you have no idea how, how joyful and festive this very moment is. And thanks for joining us online as well. We know we, you would love to be here if you could. It's just good. It just feels so good. It feels so good. We're going to meet next week, by the way. You want to come back next week? Okay. You got to re-register. We have to, there's, there's reasons for registration. One of them is we have a capacity issue. So you need to register, register early. If you come next week, you'll need to wear a mask. Uh, we don't have a children's ministry yet. And one of the primary reasons is we need more volunteers. So we'd love to get our children's ministry started early in October, especially the birth through, I think, kindergarten. Could you serve in that capacity? That would be huge. That would be great. More and more families could come as a result. Let me tell you one more thing before we get into our learning time today. You know, we, uh, we put together 14, wait, 1,200 cards with gift cards to give to the, the medical staff at St. David's that have been working in the COVID uh, crazies for the last six months, right? Yeah. So we were thinking, let's just do that again. <laughs> so we did. We're going to give cards uh, and, and gift cards to those at Seton that have been working in the COVID crazy for the last six months. So we'll be giving about 1,200 cards to them as well. We, we won't be handwriting those cards. They'll be cards from Grace Covenant Church, gift certificates to Phil's Ice House, Eastside Pies, Rudy's, Mighty Fine Burgers, Waterloo. Waterloo. We're trying to keep it local. And, and even those store owners, when they found out we were doing that, they just they fell out of their chair. They were so pumped. They love what Grace Covenant Church is doing to care for those who are caring for us. So give yourselves a hand for being so generous during this time. Good times. Let them know there's a church out there that loves them. Um, let's begin a word of prayer, and we're going to look at uh, Jesus' teachings today and found in the Sermon on the Mount. Lord, we, we do celebrate. We, just, we are so happy to be here. Uh, the, the people that can come and be in this room, we, we celebrate that. Lord, we'd ask that you would help heal our land physically and emotionally and spiritually. That even the words that we talk about today, the teachings that you gave us 2,000 years ago might be applied. That the conviction of the Holy Spirit might come upon our land in a mighty way. And we would find ourselves cut to the quick. That we care about the wrong things. We value things that are petty. And the things that are treasures to you, we disregard. Lord, help us come to the knowledge and wisdom of the values of heaven brought to earth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is the 51st year of Grace Covenant Church, and so we thought months and months ago that we would go through the year of the Bible, 2020, year of the Bible. That's how Grace got started, is a Bible survey. Why not do it again? See what happens. And as we've been working our way through the Bible, now we find ourselves in the New Testament and looking at, as a matter of fact, uh, the life of Jesus Christ. If you'd like to, by the way, if you want to join us for reading through the Bible, you can start. We, we came up with another uh, reading list that starts in Matthew. Uh, you can download it on, from our website and just pick it up, and we'll end pretty much the same time in Revelation in December sometime. When we, when, where we are in our study time, we're looking at the life of Jesus. He's already been formally introduced and tested in our storyline, and now he's going to begin teaching. We're going to look at the incomparable teaching of the king. It's found in Matthew's chapters 5 through 7. If you want to turn there, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is not a, just a list of, of, of moral advice. It is not random 
sections of wisdom from some guru. It's not a, a list of rules. It is a bold and brilliant, fearless ex explanation and exclamation of, it is, it is a trumpet blast of the king's decree on how his kingdom is ruled. The king says, here's what it looks like. Here's what counts and what doesn't count. This is my kingdom. These are my rules. And the Sermon on the Mount uh, states clearly what is right and real and true. And the king says it, and therefore it is. How important is the Sermon on the Mount? We'll let a Harvard professor tell us. Harvey Cox said, it is the most luminous, most quoted, most analyzed, most contested, most influential moral and religious discourse in all of human history. Boom. We're going to look at three major themes since we're surveying the Bible, and we don't have time to look at this uh, sermon itself. It takes 22 minutes to read through from beginning to end, and if you, I would recommend you read it in, at the beginning of your day and at the end of the day for the next month. See what happens. See what changes. And, and when you do that, I want you to be looking at the three maybe themes that we're going to look at today. We're going to look at how, you know, how Jesus kind of put things in order so that we can better memorize it. You'll see the topics as we go through, chapters 5, 6, and 7. When Jesus finished this sermon, people were stunned. They'd never heard that kind of teaching in their whole lives. As a matter of fact, it says in, at the end, chapter 7, it says... When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. And why is that? Because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. He taught like he had authority. He had confidence. Well, yeah, it's like when Wayne Gretzky teaches on hockey, he teaches with authority. When Einstein gives a lesson or a lecture on physics, he does that with confidence. That's what's happening here. He has this because Jesus isn't speculating. He's not quoting someone that might know something about heavenly values. Jesus is talking about home. <laughs> he's, he's talking about he existed before he existed here. And he's just, he's just remembering what life is like back in heaven. Heaven being brought to earth. It, go, it looks like this. He's, he's teaching us how to pack <laughs> because we're going to go there. And he's all that... What's all that heavy stuff? Gold, they're going to pave streets with that. Leave that patch, travel light. Jesus is talking to us from experience, and that's why it's like no other teacher. He's not like any other teacher. He has been there. He knows all about that. And so when he talks about these three themes, here's what I want us to be, here's the themes and what, us, what I want us to be looking for. The, the first one is the way we keep score. It's wrong. We keep score poorly. It's like someone changed the price tags on the value of things, and Jesus comes in and, and straightens those out. It's like Jesus is giving out awards, and they're not to the people we, we think they should go to. So values, that's chapter 5. And then he talks about this, this is eternity stupid. Those are my words, not his. Eternity stupid. He's trying to help us remember that the physical life is short, and eternal rewards are forever. And then finally, after he teaches on eternity, stupid, he talks to us about change. And change is from the inside out. It will be a miraculous gift of God if you can change. So let's look at the first one. 
The price tags. <laughs> price tags. We have the wrong price tags. It's as though some demon-possessed Bart Simpson has crashed into, like, the grocery store of life and has maliciously rearranged the price tag. That was better than stealing anything. And, and things of great value get pennies and a few cents, and things of great value um, things of great value get pennies and things that are cheap and disposable, they have these price tags that look like, oh gosh, how much can I pay for that? And this, this is, in our world, and this is the way it's been throughout you know, human experience, is things of personal comfort, anything that exalts our ego, oh, that's of high value. We'll, we'll pay whatever it takes to get that ego inflation, to have some kind of status or wealth. And then, meanwhile, on the eternal side of things, things that matter for eternity, things that value the most to God, those are like in the back of the store under that flickering fluorescent light in the clearance rack. Yeah, whatever. It doesn't cost anything. Never mind. Billions of dollars every year with marketing and the media itself is promoting this, these price tags that are lies and they're wrong. And Jesus comes in and says, look, it's not about inflating your ego. Jesus comes in and shocks the whole world with this part of the sermon, the beginning, where he talks about the Beatitudes, the things about being happy. He wants us to thrive. And we can't thrive unless we know the true value of things. He wants us to live the abundant life. He wants us to live a life without any regret. And the only way that happens is if we start with this understanding that Jesus Christ made us. He created us. And he wants us to live a life worthy of the Lord, it says, worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in our knowledge to God. That's why he makes these values straightened out. And he starts that again in, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. It begins with a section called Beatitudes. And Beatitudes, uh, sometimes it's called blessed. Blessed are the one. What does blessed means? Who's, who's got it good? Who's, who's winning? Who's the one that's well off? And oddly, in the last, what, I guess 20 years now, uh, there's a strand of psychology that has become very popular, and it's a version of, of blessed. It's called positive psychology, and it's answering the question, how can a person become happy? It's almost answering the echoes of Sigmund Freud, where he said, he said in light of, of like how much we have going for us, why are so many people sad? His positive psychology, what does it mean to flourish? How can we have well-being? Jesus says, well, here it is. And in the first few verses there, he start, he, he's handing out these trophies, and the people he's calling down front are not the people you think would be called down because Jesus has these other values. He's not from here. He's from heaven. And he says, so to the first, the first trophy, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. They will see God. There, the kingdom of God is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, they'll be comforted. The meek, come on down. You inherit the earth. That's not what people thought. Blessed, blessed, lucky, good for you if you hunger and thirst for righteousness because you will be satisfied. That's what the values of God are. Blessed is the person that commits their whole life to interacting with God daily so they could be involved in what God is doing around the world. Blessed is the person who surrenders their ego and puts it behind them so that they might enjoy the freedom of turning out and enjoying other people. 
Blessed are those who are grateful to God for all the little things in life. I like what John Ortberg says about being blessed. This is how he's describing the uh, Beatitudes. Blessed is the person is anyone who can find that safety is not in the illusion of avoiding danger. Avoiding danger because you either have so much money or you have so many connections or you have so much power. But blessed is a person that understands the reality that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Blessed is the person that you receive these blessings from God no matter what. The future is secured. Your present is redeemed. And Jesus is saying in these Beatitudes, in these words of blessing, that even the people regarded in the most deprived, the most insignificant in this world, can now be blessed. Blessed in the living kingdom of God. This, this rank of who's blessed in the kingdom of God, this is not wishful thinking. These are promises. This is not like hopes to get us through some dark seasons of life. These are guarantees that we can live by. And how do we know that? Because Jesus, <laughs> who Jesus is. In Colossians, it says that he is in the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all of creation. He has created all things, visible and invisible, on, in heaven and on earth. He made everything. He knows how it works. He knows how, it keep, he knows how to keep score. These are the ones. <laughs> and we're in, and he, that's why he has confidence when he teaches. He's just remembering what's it like back home. Guys, here's what it looks like. And so when we apply just this this whole first chapter of chapter 5, we go, in your own life, like, how's life working for you? How's it working? Because sometimes, sometimes, life doesn't work because you're reading those price tags that are filled with lies. You're you're like, you need to change, you, you need to change how you keep score. It's... It's golf, not basketball. It's who has the lowest score, not the highest score. And, and so you have to recalibrate. And what that means in the context of the Bible, the Bible word for recalibrate is repent. And repent is, is not so much an emotional word as it is an intellectual word. And Jesus would say here, you have to re- repent, change your mind on living for the, the kingdom of the flesh, whatever feels good or keeps me comfortable or safe. You have to repent of, of the kingdom of ego, a kingdom where mirrors are everywhere for you to see yourself. Jesus is saying, you got to repent of these values and, and take on the values that he talks about, reevaluate, so that, so that, like he said, so that you could live a life worthy of the Lord and, and constantly bearing fruit in every good work so that you could live a life without regret, that you can live a life in this world like the next one, blessed, blessed. So the first thing that you see in, the, in chapter 5 of the Sermon on the Mount is, is this idea of rearranging the price tags and the values. The second one is eternity stupid, eternity stupid. Again, my words, not his. This is chapter 6. Because in chapter 6, he's going to go back and forth with this constant comparison and contrast between the here and now and the then and later. The here, right here in this earth, like like right now, versus constantly going, no, 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 no. In heaven, for eternity, forever. And again, all the global economies in every era are set up to make money somehow to please this here and now. And Jesus comes in and says, it's such a short time. 
You got all this stuff that you experience here. You could use that to invest in the future. Eternal rewards. Rewards is used throughout this section. Jesus shows up as like a long-term investment advisor who already knows how things are going to end. Like he's, he's kind of like he's from the future. And he's just saying, look, 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 here's, here's what you do. You got to change your mindset. You get, his two primary things are status and stuff. You got to use your status and stuff in this world and invest it into the next life, into the next world. Here and now for heaven, for eternity. That's good investment. But that's not the way we think. We think, we think like dogs. Here's a great mindset of, of the, just every, everyone. This is an audience. Here's, here's these dogs on a shipwreck, and, and, and this is why dogs don't do well, and they, they take a vote. Those in favor of eating all the food now, raise your hands. That's why dogs don't make it to day two. It's like, well, we could save some for tomorrow. And the dog says, what's tomorrow? Tomorrow, it's today. Let's eat them all today. And God's, you know, it's like Jesus is coming in saying, hey, human, you should invest in tomorrow, eternity. And we're like, what's, what's eternity? We could eat it all today. Jesus is saying, look, you're human. You're in the image of God. You're an eternal being. You know, you're just kind of currently trapped inside a very temporal body. But you can use this stuff here to invest later. Don't think like a dog. That's why I say eternity is stupid. And Jesus is going to use this value of eternity, stupid, his, my words, not his, in, in these two categories in chapter 6 of status and stuff. And he's saying, look, if you can break away from status and stuff, the, the values of this world, it's going to set your soul free. And not only that, you'll be rewarded in heaven forever. In the first part of chapter 6, he talks about status. People fighting and conniving and scraping for status. Now, status then, his audience, is not like status for us. So it's not like he's getting journal articles published in some academic uh, journal or he's featured on the cover of a business magazine or a fashion magazine, something like that. Here's his audience was, their status was being righteous out front, being the holiest person around, just being known for being the good guy. And and Jesus is coming in and saying, that, that was the rage. And Jesus is saying, you, you don't, that's not how it works. They had a value then, and it's kind of, it happens now too. Let no good deed go unadvertised. And Jesus comes in and crushes that when he says these words in chapter 6. He says, be careful, this is again trying to get status, be careful when, uh, not to do your acts of righteousness before men uh, to be seen by them. If you do... You will, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. You just ate a biscuit. You're done. Verse 2. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets like hypocrites do in the synagogues and, and on the streets uh, to be honored by men. I'll, I'll tell you the truth. They have received their full reward here on earth. That's, that's the dog biscuit. But, but, but what if when you give to the needy, verse 3 and 4, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that in your giving it may be in secret. Then your father, later, who sees what you've done in secret will reward you. <laughs> later. 
They're trying to get all their status so they can enjoy it here on earth. And Jesus is saying, okay, you got it, good for you. And it will die with you. Or you could do the right thing for the right reason, keeping in mind eternity, stupid. And it, it change, if, you, if you do what he says, not only is it true, but it works. I read just this month, this past month, uh, uh, an autobiography, an article about a woman who is uh, a screenwriter in Hollywood, and she was celebrating 10 years of sobriety. And she just listed three or four things that helped get her to 10 years of sobriety. And one of the keys of her sobriety was the discipline that's experienced in, in, in the 12-step the uh, process, I think, is that you are told to, you are expected to do acts of, of generosity and concern anonymously, daily. You're to help other people or give generously daily, but don't tell anyone about it. And she just writes about how that kind of changed her way of living. She started turning out instead of turning in. And, and it's like, this is part of her, her experience of being set free from her addictions. And it worked. No wonder. <laughs> anyone? No wonder. It's because it's true. She could do, she gave these things or she helped other people, tried not to get credit for it, and her soul was growing healthy. Why? Because Jesus said that's the way the soul works. Jesus is the design engineer for the human soul. Do you understand that? And so when Jesus says these things, if you're going out there, hey, Grace, Grace, listen, if you do stuff for status, if you're rearranging your life so that you are noticed and people think so great of you, I think Jesus is saying, no, you could use all that other things for eternity, for eternal purposes, not your own. In the second chapter, second part of chapter 6, he switches from status gaining in light of eternity to stuff gathering in light of eternity. Look what he says about stuff. It's just stuff is the Greek word for stuff. So that's, that's how it looks. So he said, therefore, I tell you. Do not worry about your life, what you're going to eat or drink, or about your body, what you're going to wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Unless you're a dog on a raft, sure. So do not worry about, and, and do not worry, saying, what shall I eat? What shall I drink? What shall I wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus is saying, look, there's so much more than the flesh and blood right here. He, listen, it's not, he's not against ask, seek, knock about temporal stuff. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But you, you can be concerned about those things, but not be worried about those things. You can tell in the passage when you read it yourself that Jesus is hearing the prayers of pagans and he's hearing the prayers of these believers and they're sounding very much the same. Because... The believers that are saying these prayers don't have an eternal value. They don't see the values of God. And, and God knows that he, that, you know, what we need and how to care for us. When we have life-altering concerns, when we're compulsive about having to have something, it might be because we've attached more to it than we should, like our identity or our value. And Jesus is saying, then we start praying like pagans that don't have a heavenly father that has told them 
that they matter to God. Jesus knows. He knows what we need. He knows about eternal values. It says in Colossians that all things were created for him and through him. He was before all things. In Jesus, all things are held together. He is the design engineer for all of creation. He knows how it works, and he's just saying, don't, don't settle for worrying about getting stuff. Worry about being greeted by the king. You can use your dog biscuits in this life and invest them to have an eternal reward in the next life. Do not try to become the best known and richest dog on that stupid life raft. It's not going to be here that long. It's, in my words, not his. It's eternity, stupid. <laughs> Grace, we are a famously generous church. And I'm just going to pause here and say, you keep that up. This, we, we are doing quite well as a church. And we're, because of that, we're able to give you know, 30 plus thousand dollars to St. David's and another 30 plus thousand dollars to, to Seton. And we're looking at other opportunities around the country to do that when we find the right people. It's just, it's just like, how do we do this? And I'll, I'll say this, not if, now that's collective grace. Now, individually know this, that if you cannot be generous, generous with your time or your wealth, is there's, there's something wrong with your soul. And you need to just acknowledge that sometimes that's the hardest part of getting better is could you acknowledge that if you have a hard time giving things, wealth, or time, it could be that you're trapped in a paradigm of a life raft with other dogs. If you can't give something away, you don't own it. It owns you. And it's subtle sometimes. It just flips one morning, and all of a sudden, you have handcuffs that you used to, what you used to distribute now in, like, I don't know, inhibits you. It's eternity. It's eternity, stupid. And can I say one, like, pause for a second on this application, making it very personal, very personal, that the things that God values for eternity is a human soul. Every single human soul. If you look at the price tags, when they're put back in the right order on the right things, he looks at those that bear his image and says this, I'll give my son for that person. Now listen, that means it applies to you. You are treasured by the God of the universe, the great king who speaks all things into creation and when you look at you in the mirror and you think you have no value, could you look deeper still? Could you look past the here and now and look into the later and see what God would be willing to give for your life? If you were the only person that ever existed, here's how the verse rolls out. For God so loved you that he gave his only son because that's what it costs for you to believe in him so that you would not perish but have eternal life and live forever in his kingdom in heaven. 
These values that all got switched around, let's not forget that we are victims of our own stupidity. When we project on other people that they don't matter, it doesn't take long for that to come around to us. And the Bible says, Jesus says, the creator of all things with whom all things were created by him, through him, and for him, who sustains all things, says, you are cherished by the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's an identity that cannot be lost or shaken. That is blessed. Blessed is the person that understands that. Third thing he teaches thematically, anyway, is change is inside out. Change is from the inside out. Chapter 7, he's going through and uh, he's, he's trying to show us that if there's going to be significant alterations in who we are and what we do, it's going to have to be a miraculous intervention. And what's tragic about the, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure there's other things more tragic when it comes to teaching than this sermon. I bet Jesus weeps when people take this sermon, Matthew 5 through 7, and turn it into a bunch of rules. Because the point of it is to show that rules don't change people. And it is like man to take something that's this beautiful and turn it into a mallet to beat other people up with or our own selves up with and saying, why aren't you doing it? Why aren't you doing it? The point of it, the point of it is to show us that this, this sickness that we have that brings every person to a place of desperation, this desperation that goes, I cannot fix what's broken. I cannot change what needs to be fixed. I can't do that. It will take the depth of a surgeon that is supernatural, that has to change, like the sap in my veins has to be altered for me to be who Jesus Christ has called me to be. Become like Christ in all of life. I'd have to become like Christ. There, there it is. And only grace can transform that. Chester didn't put it this way. He, he reads the Sermon on the Mount and comes to this conclusion. Love means to love the unlovable, or it's not even a virtue at all. Forgive means pardon the unpardonable, or is no virtue at all. Faith means believing in the unbelievable, or it is not a virtue of all. And hope means hoping when things are hopeless, or it is no virtue at all. When you read through the Sermon on the Mount, you're going to find yourself unable to do the things it requires you to do. And you cannot try harder to get this to work. It's built so trying harder does not work. It is just like salvation. Become like Christ in all of life, become like Christ in all parts of life is just like salvation. Salvation is a hopeless endeavor to do on your own and you give up and surrender and you say, only Jesus Christ's death and resurrection is gonna save me. Only that gift of forgiveness is going to heal me. That's how the rest, all of the, the whole Christian life is that way. I, I can't get any better at this particular part of my life until the sap changes within me, and only, only God can change that sap. Only grace transforms. Look, look what he says in verse 16, or chapter 7, 16 through 20. He says, look by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes? No. Or figs from thistles? No. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, and every bad tree bears bad fruit. Good tree cannot bear bad fruit. Bad tree cannot bear good fruit. This is simple stuff, right? Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Yes, by their fruit, you'll recognize them. And what do you recognize? What sap is running through them? 
What's, what, what kind of fruit? He's not talking about the law here. You can't, the law can't make fruit happen. That's like gluing, I guess, grapes on a vine from an outside in. That won't change things. What has to change? My soul. When we talk about around here, this is huge at this church because we think that grace transforms in salvation and grace, grace transforms in what's called sanctification. In all of life. You want to become like Christ in your marriage, be a better husband and wife. You want to become like Christ as a better employee, as a better friend. Okay, here's what I suggest. Come to a place of despair. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. In other words, give up. Surrender. Just like you did in salvation, quit trying. Just do this. Say, God, I can't, I'm try, I've tried. Working isn't working. Change the sap of my soul. Because in my friendships, it's always about me somehow. Could you change that? Could you change that? as a gift of mercy and grace? Could you make me a submissive, respectful employee? Because there's nothing in me that wants to submit or be respectful. I don't have that. It's not in there. When I fake it, it looks terrible. Change me. <laughs> and like, again, you could read the Sermon on the Mount. Here's some things you can do to help augment that reading the Sermon on the Mount at the beginning and end of every day for a month or six months, but it's not, that doesn't do it. It's the idea of what God's grace can do in you. Change has to happen from the inside. That's what distinguishes Christianity from all other psychologies and all the world religions. Our hope is in a gift, a miraculous gift or gifts from God. Well, sometimes around here we'll say born again, again. Because I was born again and became his child, and then I couldn't get over my anger, and I had to quit and give up. It was like salvation part two. And then I became patient because God changed that sap. That's, that's what Jesus is saying on the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus concludes by saying, look, here's how you know how the sap's running. He goes, it's like a, the guys that get it are like, are like people that build a house on a rock. And when the storms come and the rains come down and the floods come up and the winds just shear over that, they built their house on a rock because they're doing what I've told you to do. They're trusting in transformation from the inside out. They're not caring about, you know, you know the temporal but the eternal. They understand the values. Those people, they endure those storms and they weather them well. But there's other people that know all the things I just talked about, like today's sermon. They know all that. They took good notes. They could recite it to other people, but they're not doing it. They're not trusting in miraculous transformations of their souls. They're working harder. They're, they're still trying to figure out who's on top and who's second. They're collecting toys. They haven't changed the price tags. Those people, when the storms come and the rains come down and the floods come up and the winds shear that, they are wiped away and they have nothing. They have nothing. There's two types of people, he says. Those who get it and those who don't. It's funny, in the story itself, the story begins, the Sermon on the Mount, it begins like this. Jesus goes to the hillside and sees all the people wanting to hear from him. And so he takes them up on the hill and sits down, and then his disciples come and join him. There's two types of people. There's people in the crowd, and there are people that are followers. People in the crowd are like, this is awesome. This is some pretty good teaching. I just wish I had something to eat because, you know, maybe we could stay a little longer. 
The disciples are saying, I'm going to rearrange my life. This is way more than teaching. This is life-altering. The people in the crowd, they're just they're fans, and they like him. He's the guy to listen to. He's the cool guy. And then there's the followers who have left everything and would do anything, and will ultimately, they will all give their lives for him. Every once in a while, someone from the crowd would come and become a disciple. They would change. They'd say, I've had enough. I've played along. I've learned enough. And now it's time to choose. So, how about you? Are you a fan or are you a follower? Part of the crowd or a disciple? Change your values. Live like eternity is real. It is. Live like this life matters forever. Live like, live like you will have an audience with the king and you will give him as a gift your life for him to enjoy, to hang in the halls of eternity. Join me in prayer. It is for this reason, this is Paul's prayer, it is for this reason everything, every, the day I heard about grace, I've never stopped praying for you. I continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through the wisdom and the understanding that his spirit could give to us so that we may live a life worthy of the Lord and we would please him in every way. We'd be bearing fruit in every good work, growing in our knowledge to God, that we'd be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so, so that we might have great endurance and impatience so that we would be joyfully thanking the Father who is qualified. He has qualified us to share in the inheritance of being part of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Jesus has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom that the Son now rules and loves. It is in him that we have redemption. It is in Jesus Christ we have forgiveness of sins. It is because of the spirit of God that is granted permission to live in our souls that we have power. We are shameless. We are honored. Lord, I'd ask that this prayer to the Colossians would be the prayer in our hearts that we would enjoy the fullness of our life with you here on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that we'd be that type of people that type of church, we celebrate that today. In Jesus' name, amen.